You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers didn't win a game. We wish they had been playing today, uh, because I think we all think they would have won the Big Ten tournament title uh, if they had been given another chance to play today. But they did win in terms of the NCAA tournament, as the Indiana Hoosiers are dancing again in March for the first time since 2016. Uh, we had to sweat it out there a little bit until basically the final uh, the final grouping of teams was announced. But the Hoosiers are in. They are a 12 seed. They will be playing first round games uh, in uh, first round game in Dayton against Wyoming for the right to then play the fifth seed St. Mary's in Portland. Uh, the Hoosiers are back. It's been a long time coming uh, for this program. Uh, and and look, I mean, based on how the seeding came out. You know, they probably uh, were not in just by virtue of beating Michigan. And so that victory over Illinois uh, in the Big Ten tournament was huge to propel the Hoosier, the Hoosiers here. Uh, and certainly, you know, while I think we can all as fans exhale and just be happy to be in, uh, even though it's, you know, the first round, the playing game, whatever you want to refer to it as, it certainly seems like the players are taking it with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, which is totally fine with me. Uh, I think Xavier Johnson tweeted, they will pay uh, something like that. So look, if you're going to do something that's going to give Xavier Johnson more of a chip on his shoulder, fine with me. I think that'll just put Indiana in a better position uh, to win that first round game to go on and then have a chance to do some more damage uh, against St. Mary's after that. And look, two teams teams since they started doing this first four have gone from the first four to the final four VCU uh, and UCLA have both done that so this is not some kind of death sentence for your NCAA tournament hopes Uh, the Hoosiers uh, make it they're back and we're excited to talk about it here on this edition of the assembly call Uh, and look the banner moment pretty easy you can't hang another banner unless you're making NCAA tournaments. We have not done that since 2016, uh, and we are back, uh, and that is awesome. So I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni. Andy Bottoms is here. We're going to have some special guests coming as well, and we're going to talk about uh, the women uh, who also had their selection show today, and the women get a three seed in the NCAA tournament and will be hosting NCAA tournament games. We're going to have Jeff and Kathy from the Doing the Work show here to talk about that. So a huge, huge day for Indiana basketball as both the men and women are dancing for the first time in a long time. And this is a good night. Gentlemen, uh, Coach Andy, I know you guys are both a little weary, a little sleepy, uh, but it's all over. You can exhale a little bit. Let's get your opening thoughts both uh, just on you know where Indiana fell and then the bracket as a whole. Andy, we'll start with you. Um, yeah, I mean... I, this is probably not a place to get into my qualms with some of the things that the selection committee did. So I won't get, I won't get too far into that. I mean, I had IU by the time it was all said and done after Richmond won the a 10, I had IU as the kind of the first team to miss Dayton. So it didn't necessarily shock me that they were there. Um, so in that regard, I, I, I don't necessarily have huge issues with it. I know a lot of people were upset about Michigan um being seated higher than iu i guess what i would say to that is a couple things um you know one in both the resume and the quality metrics michigan was better in number of quad one wins michigan was better and no so i think there's a lot and, and michigan beat iu on their home floor michigan i believe had a better road record 
Um, you know, we can look at their overall record and and say that it's not great and and say that IU beat them a couple of days ago. But I think I, I was I was surprised that Michigan wasn't in Dayton, not necessarily that they were in front of IU, but but more so just that at three games over 500, I just kind of assumed they would be in Dayton. But anyway, so I know that was one that at least I've seen a, a bunch of commentary on. But from an IU perspective, um, you know, you'd love to probably not have to turn around and play on Tuesday. Although I know Joel in the chat said, play, you know, get them, get them back on the court while they're hot and, and playing with some confidence. So I think there's some value to that. I think um, going to Dayton, certainly from a proximity standpoint, is not as big a deal for IU as it might be for other teams on the, on the travel end of things. And, you know, what you really want is to, to, to your point, Jared, to be able to have a chance to, to get in and, and play. And that's what they've got. And now they got to go prove people wrong if they, if they think, if they think they should have been, um, they should have been seated higher. So interesting matchup. We can get into that a little bit as well as we go. Um, really a few key guys to watch for Wyoming, uh, for sure. And, uh, but mostly just excited to be back in. Uh, I think it reaffirms what we thought that the way they played over the course of the big 10 tournament is really what got them there. Um, and I think thinking that they needed to win a couple games of the big 10 tournament proved to be, uh, true for sure. So. Excited to, to have the opportunity to be there and have some more games to talk about with this group, especially given how they played over the weekend. Absolutely. All right, Coach, your opening thoughts. It's just fabulous to have Indiana back on a bracket. Uh, play-in game or no play-in game, it's been a, a long drought. And, it, you know, it's going to happen earlier than we thought on Tuesday rather than a Thursday or Friday. And so – you know, I, I'm just glad. I, I was a little nervous there towards the end that, you know, they came on at the end and and played a really good uh, brand of basketball after that first 30 minutes uh, at Michigan uh, for for two and a quarter games or whatever. Got a couple wins and uh, it just was a good feeling. And and being in the building was fabulous to see the joy on the Indiana fans uh, both after the Michigan and Illinois. That's that's Indiana basketball. Our fans so deserve to have winning basketball and we have it in the women's program. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but, but our fans, you know, every fan base has, has people who, who are passionate and in good ways and bad ways, but our fans really deserve it. It's been a long, long time. And a lot of blue bloods don't go through this drought that Indiana has. So we're, I'm just glad we were called uh, a little sad when I do my bracket on, on, on computer that it'll have to be playing game to win round two and playing game to win round three. And I don't see the word Indiana, but um, we're, we're in the tournament and that has to be a celebration, especially in a year where uh, things didn't really go as smoothly and as planned uh, as we all would like. And there was a lot of doubts and questions and stuff. And the team and the coaching staff really rallied towards the end. And, and and Coach Woodson said it best, and I agree with them, that this team just keeps fighting and fighting and fighting. And that's just something to be proud of, too, because there were several times this season, the suspensions, the five-game losing streak, the tough game to Rutgers, they could have – and I thought they laid down at Michigan. Then they didn't. Um, this team has some resiliency, and I think that's something that we can be – but we're dancing. Uh, I'm not. I'm tired. But Indiana's <laughs> dancing. Indiana's dancing. And that – I mean, that really is the bottom line, you know – Indiana is in the tournament and they're playing well enough to do some damage. I mean, I think that is what has happened over these last five halves of basketball coming back to beat Michigan, you know, putting together a solid 40 minutes to beat Illinois and then really playing well against one of the hottest teams in the country, Iowa. And in a game that deserved to go to overtime, you know, you lose on a last second bank shot by Jordan Bohannon. I mean, Indiana right now is playing good basketball. 
you know, and that's what you want is a chance to be in the dance and playing good basketball. And, and obviously, look, we all would like to have not been in, you know, to not be in the playing game. You'd like to have your first game on a Thursday. But, you know, at the end of the day, it looks like perhaps, you know, Coach Woodson deciding to suspend those guys for the Northwestern game, not having your full allotment of players. If you think Indiana would have won that game with your full allotment of players, you know, then maybe, you know, that choice by Coach Woodson to reinstill accountability into the program may have been the difference between being in the playing game and not. And I kind of have a feeling that most IU fans would take that, (laughs) you know, because you've got to lay down your culture. You've got to set some standards. Coach Woodson did that. Uh, And ultimately, despite the ups and downs of this season, the topsy-turviness, the questions that didn't look good there for a while, he did what was asked, which was get Indiana back to the NCAA tournament, beat Purdue, reinstill a culture of accountability uh, at Indiana. And he did all those things. And that makes this a really successful first season. And now we go see what we can build on top of that. Um, And I think we're all pretty optimistic uh, that Indiana's got a chance to do some damage. Now, let's talk a little bit about Indiana's draw. So the Hoosiers face Wyoming. And I want to get some some of your guys' thoughts on that. They will play uh, the late game on Tuesday. So it'll tip uh, probably sometime around 8, 10 Central Time, 9, 10 Eastern Time after the first game. Should they win that game, then they've got a quick turnaround with a long flight to Portland, and they play Thursday at, I think, 7.40 Eastern time. So, you know, scheduling-wise, the committee didn't do Indiana any favors. Whatever. You know, I mean, this is the draw. This is what we need to do. You know, the one issue, Coach, with playing Tuesday is you may not have Jordan Geronimo back. You know, Coach Woodson today sounded somewhat pessimistic about Jordan Geronimo. He said Trey Galloway will be fine, um, but we'll have to see on Jordan Geronimo. But, you know, from this Wyoming team, I don't know much about their personnel. I just happened to see a couple things, um, you know, that, that Jordan Sperber had mentioned in his uh, hoop vision, um, you know, kind of 68 teams. He went through all of them and gave some nuggets. From what I know about Wyoming, they've got a good big man. They use more post-ups than anybody in the country. And so where you'd like to have Jordan Geronimo for any game, this seems like one of those games where it's going to really be decided down low and probably be a Michael Durr game where he's going to have to step in and probably play some minutes for you um, because that seems to be what Wyoming's strength is. What do you guys know about Wyoming and what this matchup is going to be like? Well, I I think from, you know, Wyoming was a team that was probably solidly in in the bracket all year long in the Mountain West. The Mountain West had a really good conference from a bracketology standpoint so you're well aware that they played some good basketball and you know they just kind of limped a little bit to the end uh, here and we had them I think as an eight or nine at some point fell down uh as as uh you went along but they they are mostly they don't shoot the three very well from looking at, at Ken Palm uh and so it's going to be a drive game and a post-up game as Jared said and, and I think that uh the, the key stat for me and, and not really watching any tape on them is their their defensive efficiency is at 66. And the way Indiana's uh, running some offense right now, and that's the struggling part of Indiana, I think Indiana can continue what they've done in the Big Ten tournament uh, with the screen and roll game and, and getting TJD on the move. I think uh, I, I think just in looking at that real quick, that that's some of the advantage that Indiana has. Andy, uh, anything that you have you have on Wyoming? Yeah, um, you know, really a few guys to kind of watch out for from a um, personnel standpoint. So Graham Ek is the big guy. 
Um, reminds me a little bit of Trace. I think somebody said the same thing in the chat. You know, he is a guy that will post up, but can also face up a little bit and try to go uh, get around guys uh, in that regard. Really good rebounder. Um, and I think he's you know, right now he's fifth in uh, percent in usage rate. So percentage of possession juice, he's fifth. So they they try to get him involved quite a bit. Um, I think he's a you know again. I think he's a, a little bit like TJD. So maybe that's a maybe that's a good thing. Um, in that regard for uh for trace from a defensive perspective six nine but I, I think plays a little bit bigger than that in the games that i've um watched them i think the guy that is a little bit more concerning to me is their point guard uh hunter maldonado he's six seven um and what we've talked about a lot this year is who does i you have on the as a good wing defender maybe that's a galloway situation uh where they go to him but he, he's a guy who really likes to kind of dribble around for a while, get into the post himself. I think that probably contributes to some of those post-up numbers. Um, oh, so, may, the, so maybe Geronimo would be obviously useful against a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but I don't know that you'd have him guard their their point guard. But um, yeah, so so anyway, so he he's a guy that can do a little bit of damage down there. So I think that becomes a difficult matchup for a guy like X. Um, I think that's when they're going to have to figure out how they want to defend him, um, at least based on based on what I've seen. And it, it's, it's interesting. His assist rate is really high, but as a team... They don't assist on many of their made field goals, and I think because it's just a lot of like ISO post up stuff um, for for those two guys. So you know, really got to try to figure out a way to slow down Maldonado. That's that's probably the biggest key to the game, um, at least based on the, the the pieces of Wyoming that I've seen. And then you know, one other guy, just because this is a statistical anomaly, uh, Drake Jeffries. He has taken two hundred and twenty two field goal attempts this year. 207 of them are from three-point range and he's a 40 percent three-point shooter so uh learn our lesson from yesterday and know who you can't know who you can leave and know who you can't uh and he's a guy you got to hug pretty tight on the perimeter but i think he's getting a lot of those off of kickouts from one of the other two guys in the post so but they've, they've not played well down the stretch they're a little bit the anti-iu in that regard i think to, to coach's point you know at one point just looking out here they're 21 and three they take a bad loss at New Mexico and then really kind of limp to the to the finish to the point where if they lost their first Mountain West game to UNLV, I don't know that they'd have been in the field or it would have been pretty dicey. Uh, and even the games they did win down the stretch, they didn't win them comfortably. Now maybe this is a chance for them to reset a, a little bit and um, and maybe get back get back and get right. But um, you know, I think it's a it's a game where you really got to focus on how you take away one of the two guys that they're really going to run everything through and then figure out what you can do from there. Andy, what they do there is uh, we call it a Barkley move where the point guard just dribbles to the wing and then everyone clears out and then he crab dribbles his way down into the post and where he's getting some of his assists is when people probably come to double uh, to give the guard some help uh, and, and then the doubles, then he finds uh, shooters. Um, and, and I missed that 40% shooter, but overall, they're, they're not really good anywhere else shooting the three. I think it's just that one dude yeah, that's at 40%, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's Maldonado yeah. himself is like 24%. And, yeah. He's uh, not good at all, but I, he has yeah. no interest in shooting from out there no. to begin with. So that doesn't, that doesn't help. So I think it'll be, um, you know, I think we talked a lot after the show or after the game yesterday about Galloway and his defense. He struggled a little bit yesterday. I think this is a game where you really need him uh, to be able to give you some uh, productive minutes from a, a defensive standpoint because I don't know. Rob's a great defender. X is a great defender. Uh, the way that they use him in the post gets a little bit tough for some of those guys, unless you're really able to, you know, draw some offensive fouls or something like that. You worry about foul trouble for X too when they ISO him if if X is in the post. Um, yep. 
then 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 you're in a situation where man we go if x goes um and, and so i i wouldn't be surprised to see stewart start on him and then galloway come in just for size and and strength to bully him but then you wonder if he can stop the stop initial drive or some other action that they do i yeah there's stuff I, I watched a little bit of stuff this evening i mean he's not doing a ton of stuff like really off the on the move it's it's a lot more of what you describe where he's kind of slowly backing guys down so i think in that regard that that probably helps parker um i did see a few highlights where they're running kind of a double screen up at the top where he's going you know around a couple guys so maybe that becomes high uh, ball screen double a, a problem and in, in some of those things so but yeah we'll see i think parker at least from a size perspective gives you a little bit better shot there just a matter of what he can um what he can do so that from a matchup standpoint i think is really the one to watch well, maybe that's where Jordan Geronimo's loss would be, you know, hurtful. I mean, because, you know, they've got Maldonado, who's 6'7". Jeremiah Oden is their four guy, who's 6'8". Because my thought was, well, do you put race on Hunter Maldonado, potentially? But Oden is, you know, he's not a great rebounder. But, you know, he's shooting 68.3% on twos. Like, he's a solid player. So you can't just put nobody on him. But if Geronimo was playing, he might be able to take that matchup. But if he's not, now you probably do have to keep race on him. And yeah, I mean, you're probably going to need a guy like Trey Galloway to play some big minutes. Um, and he obviously, you know, played really well against Illinois, really struggled against Iowa. So it's going to be where it's going to need to be a good Trey game um, because it does seem like he's probably going to have to play some minutes. Or, you know, Miller Cop has been pretty good defensively, um, you know, and so maybe you give him a shot on him as well. Um, you know, it'll be interesting Can to Rob see what Gardham, they choose to do there. Can Rob guard him with his strength? Rob's pretty strong. Um, you know the post up stuff worries me on on with Rob, but you got to throw a bunch of people at him because him and the big guy probably are the are, are obviously are the two keys. Yeah, I think I think if you're Rob, you got to figure out how to hold your ground. Maybe try to get an offensive foul or something like that. But he's not a guy who, at least in the stuff that I've watched, is is really trying to drive right through your chest. He's more just kind of slowly backing yeah. you down. It'd be, so it'd be easy to see or or interesting to see if they double. Um, and then double and then clog the lane if it, and, and then find that one shooter and then clog the lane um, a little bit because they might get a lot of dives too. Again, I, I have not, you know, uh, seen a whole lot of Wyoming can can recall it after all the brackets that we've done. But um, that that's kind of where the the uh, strategy is. But but I'll tell you this, guys, Indiana defensively has been pretty solid all year long. Uh, th th there's been nothing to complain about defensively in the defensive effort. Maybe segments of some games that didn't go the way they wanted to defensively. But my goodness, did they really, really guard down the stretch against Michigan and in the last two games against a real hot Iowa uh, team. Uh, and so I, I have a lot of faith in, in them figuring out a plan uh, defensively. And again, since Wisconsin game, Indiana's done some nice things offensively too. I think it's just really been a really solid um, growth for this team. But I, I think they'll find a way to stop them. Um, the, the key is make sure we continue the offensive stuff. Yeah. And look, Ken Palm has this as a 67, 66 victory for Indiana with a 54% chance of victory. I think I saw the betting line was Indiana by four or five. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's a good matchup. I mean, you know, coach, you mentioned this Wyoming team, uh, you know, they, the, the best team they played all year is Arizona, Arizona blew them out 94 to 65, but they've beaten some decent teams. You know, they beat Utah State, that's ranked number 44. They beat Colorado State, that's ranked number 31. Boise State, that's ranked number 26. Those are all NCAA tournament teams, right? 
Um, and they, uh, you know, they beat all those teams. One of them was away. You know, they beat Fresno. So, I mean, they've beaten some decent teams. Um, but as you said, struggling a little bit down the stretch. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how do they come out? And does Indiana, you know, my, my thing with Indiana is they just put together five great halves over this weekend. How do they come out in this game? You know, whatever juice they were able to get at halftime of that Michigan game, this has been a team that has started slow and has at times, you know, needed to kind of get into games. You don't want to do that in the NCAA tournament, obviously. But if X is being X, which we assume he will be, more importantly, if Trace is the guy that we saw this weekend, I think it's going to be really hard for Wyoming to win. If not, then, you know, it's going to be a dogfighter we may be playing behind, and that's a spot that obviously we don't want to be in. Yeah, and and the interesting thing, and and Andy, I'd be interested to hear if you agree with this, like any matchup in the, in the NCAA tournament is going to have some level of difficulty. Um, e- even the top seeds at times can run into to tough teams, but any time you advance, there are there are matchups that are better for you than others, but potentially everything could be wrong. And as far as I use, you know, I I think Indiana matches up okay with Wyoming. That doesn't mean it's an easy win. I think if they advance, I think St. Mary's is a solid team and beat Gonzaga and does a lot of fundamental things correct. But there's not that, oh, my gosh, it's going to be impossible type of major upset for Indiana to beat that five. And then even when you get – if you were to get past that, a UCLA sitting there, very good program, went to the – uh, final four last year and, and, and played really well. I, I don't, you know, you're not running into someone a lot earlier than, than that. Uh, if you get there, and I know game one Tuesday is important. We shouldn't be really looking, looking ahead, but every matchup is, is tough. It's one of the best lessons I've learned in putting this together. It's like a seven seed is a top 25 team. Uh, and when I was just not into brackets, I always thought if you were a five, six or seven, you weren't worth anything. It's just the top seeds, but everyone in the tournament is capable of doing something. Uh, but I do think this is a good matchup. To be clear, the team can't look ahead. We can look ahead. We can glance That's ahead true. at the bracket. I can look anywhere I want. <laughs> we just don't want confidence. <laughs> we just don't want the team looking ahead. Um, let's look at the the bigger picture. Indiana's draw. You know, and and look, things can go crazy. So who knows? You know, UCLA could lose. The whole bracket could open up for Indiana. All kinds of craziness. In terms of St. Mary's, you know, they have a top 10 defense. You know, I've watched them a couple times, happened to watch their game against Gonzaga, which was probably the best game they played all year. Uh, so, you know, the, to me, they're phenomenal having watched them play, but they're just a very, you know, Indiana will be by far the more athletic team uh, if they get to St. Mary's. But St. Mary's is just, I mean, fundamentally sound with guys that can shoot and that do just a lot of things the right way. And Gonzaga was overwhelmingly more athletic and they were able to just play better basketball. Um, you know, and so that's the thing, you know, for, for an Indiana team that has at times struggled with some of the fundamental things this season, that's a game where St. Mary's can just bleed you for 40 minutes. And then at the end of the game, they win by seven and it's like, geez, you know, like we never really got into a rhythm. Um, you know, but it is a game where you're, you know, you're going to have, you know, an advantage. I mean, they're not going to have anybody who can stay in front of X, uh, they're not going to have anybody with the athleticism of Trace, um, but that's not going to mean anything if Indiana doesn't do the fundamental things right. So you got to get past Wyoming, and then I think there's going to be advantages you, you'll you have against St. Mary's, but you better be rock solid because they're going to take advantage of mistakes. It's kind of like Wisconsin, in a sense. You know, They're going to take advantage of mistakes and probably not beat themselves. You're going to have to go beat them. 
Fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, with St. Mary's, tempo is a big, big factor with them. They always play at one of the slower paces. And what's interesting with them is over the last couple of years, they've kind of flipped it where used to be they had one of the more efficient offenses and the defense was suspect. And the last two years, if you kind of look at their their history, they flipped it a little bit to this year, to your point, they're you know ninth in defense or 63rd in offense. So it's not like they're bad in uh, offensive efficiency either. Um, but I think there you get to a little bit more favorable matchup from a size perspective. They really only got one big guy inside. Um, got a couple of really good guards that you've got to find a way to contain, but neither of them is, is overly large. So you give yourself a little bit of a chance um, there defensively if, if you're in that. But they're, I mean, absolutely what you said is true. Fundamentally sound. They're going to try to take things away from you defensively, really grind the game down. And um, we know that I use offense can be a grind in its own right at times over the course of the season. So uh, that that is a little bit concerning in that regard. But um, I think personnel-wise is maybe a better matchup even than Wyoming would be. But I think schematically the way they run stuff is probably more challenging than what Wyoming does. I, I'm just I it, watching the games in person. Um, Indiana had a chance to win the big 10 tournament because they guarded and they, they were the, they're the best team in, in the big 10 statistically defensively. And, and what wins you games in the tournament is defense. Um, yes, you got to score the basketball. You just got to score one more point than the other other person, and Indiana almost did that three times against really outstanding um, competition all, all week. Three NCAA tournament teams, they really played outstanding defense. Uh, Michigan, when it counted uh, at the end, they didn't maybe early on, but um, if if they play defense, they can keep anyone in the country almost at bay. Now, can they score? But the thing that the frustrating part, guys, for me is the offense was so stagnant and struggling for so long, and something flipped um, with starting with the Wisconsin game. Well, you know, credit to Coach Woodson and his staff. There was more movement, uh, and all of a sudden, X is getting nine, twelve, seven, eight. He's scoring points and facilitating an offense, and that is just a dangerous combination when you have an outstanding point guard, an excellent post player, and, and we haven't shot the ball well, and yet the offense looks more collegiate. This is what I thought coming out of the Bahamas this team would be, and it just kind of was stagnant. So Indiana's like 91st in Ken Palm offensively right now, but, man, they went from 118th to 91 uh, in a hurry because uh, of the adjustments that have been made and I've been a big critic of, of what we were doing offensively, huge critic. Uh, and it just hasn't been there um, offensively in the last six, seven games. So I think Indiana is playing their best basketball right now. That's what you want. Um, and, and these two matchups give it a ch- give Indiana a chance to play uh, next Saturday uh, in, in that third round or whatever it's called. Saturday. Uh, Guys, let's talk real quick about our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. They sponsor the entire Back Home Network. They've been sponsoring the Assembly Call now for many years. Uh, and you need to go check them out, homefieldapparel.com. And they just announced uh, on Twitter, for the first time ever, they're doing home field mystery boxes. So they're randomly picking tees and fleeces from their warehouse and sending sending them to you on what they're calling a very strong discount, what Will Wade might call a strong-ass discount, uh, in fact. Um and so you go there, and you're going to get three tees for only $45. Now, it's going to be a surprise, but look through their stuff. Like, it's all awesome. 
So you're going to get something really cool. You can go to homefieldapparel.com and do that. You can use your promo code HOME if you've never ordered from them before. You will get 15% off. And if you're not interested in the mystery boxes, go look at the Indiana gear. They've been releasing you know, traditional college basketball powers like UCLA and Villanova and UConn and all these other schools. Uh, Kansas, they did recently. So go check them out. It's homefieldapparel.com. The promo code is HOME. And the other thing that I want to mention and we have a special offer for you on this. So Ed Fang from the Power Rank has been sponsoring our Inside the Numbers segment uh, all season long. And Ed is one of the foremost authorities on how to win your March Madness pool. He wrote the book on it. It's really analytics-driven, you know, so if you want to get out of betting with your heart or maybe you want to have two brackets, one with your heart and one that's for the money, use Ed's analytics for the one that's for the money. And he just put out this course uh, and it is called his Power Rank 2022 Bracket Advice Course. Uh, you're going to get his full analysis and cheat sheet uh, of all the teams. You get an audio course with his contrarian strategies. That's how he kind of coaches you to win your March Madness pool, is how to pick the right contrarian picks so that you have the teams that other people aren't going to have. Uh, it's a 22-minute course that explains the most critical critical aspects of his book, How to Win Your NCAA Tournament Pool. And you also get a PDF of the book, How to Win Your NCAA Tournament Pool. Uh, it's $39. We have a special offer for it. Go to assemblycall.com slash ed, and you will get uh, that special offer. And what's nice is he's also paying us a commission for everybody from the Assembly Call who comes. Um, so it's a cool way to support the show. It's a great way to support one of our sponsors who's been with us now for a couple of years. And most importantly, it's a great way for you to learn how to win your March Madness pool, or at least to put yourself in the best position to win your March Madness pool. pool. Go to assemblycall.com slash ed uh, to get that. Um, guys, other- Hey, Jared. Yeah, yeah, Jared. I I ran into Connor uh, from Homefield uh, oh boy. at Cambridge and had a nice conversation. And just want to throw this out for for dudes like me and Richie uh, and Joel. I, I think there might be an announcement coming where the bigger sizes might be part of the uh, Homefield. So uh, us bigger dudes um, uh, can start buying even more stuff from from Homefield. But uh, Connor, what a, what a great guy um, to talk to. Uh, always good to run into him. So yeah, go by uh, Homefield, feel nice and comfortable. Get the uh, Ed Fang book, and then enjoy Indiana winning a couple games. First, just right. throw that in. Sounds good, Coach. Thank you for that, um, Andy. I know you probably want to get some sleep, uh, so why don't you throw in a final comment here before you go crash? Yeah, it's just a bit. Well, I'm not going to sleep myself, but the kids are going to bed. So I'm trying to reinsert myself into the actual uh, family dynamic here at the house after the last few days. So <laughs> is Jen uh, just going to be like be, sipping wine on the figured, couch now? Like figured my this work would be is a good place to start. You. She probably probably should be. Um, but uh, no, I mean, just more than anything, really excited. It was it was great to see this team respond. We've had so many times when a team came in and didn't respond well in the Big Ten tournament, no matter what the circumstances were, no matter what the stakes were. Uh, and for these guys to be able to come up big in that regard, be able to earn a uh, get a well-earned tournament berth, we can uh, we can nitpick some of the seating and those things. But um, important thing is that they're back in it, they're giving themselves a chance, and and now we see how they respond. And then uh, for the women's team, just an awesome accomplishment to be able to host games a three seed. I think uh, based on what I saw was maybe a little bit higher than people might have expected. I think. Uh, at least the ESPN guy had him as a four uh, coming into today. And uh, so awesome to see them get a three seed. They got a uh, a rough draw, to say the least. But um, 
I, I you know, but exciting for them. Hopefully, some huge crowds there uh, at Assembly Hall for the for the women's team, who has just been fantastic this year. I think uh, had the absolute gauntlet um, down the stretch in terms of the schedule and all the games they had to make up. And uh, I'm not sure anybody needed the week off that they got more than that team did, and it was well earned. So uh, excited to see them what they can do in the uh in the women's tournament and uh just awesome to have both teams in it a lot to be excited about from an IU basketball perspective so uh sure always is. good to end the weekend on that note from my perspective cool thank you andy thanks for all your hard work this week too man you do a great job with the bracketology and hopefully uh you score well and maintain your your status because you are our you and you and delphi you guys are our bracketologists of record that's for sure and that won't change all right well i don't we'll see how the scoring shakes out so hopefully you'll still say that after the, the scoring is done but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll see so anyway all right everybody have a good evening and uh good night andy go hoosiers cool see you man uh coach you know before I'm, yeah. we are going to talk about uh the women's draw and the women's tournament and andy's so right i mean the three seed that i think most people were projecting a four they got the three, and they get to host games. Man, I have a feeling Assembly Hall is going to be wild. I would love to be there for those games. I think it's just going to be crazy because this fan base has just totally fallen in love with that team. And all you have to do is watch them play for 10 minutes to understand why. They play so hard. They play so together, and they just, you know, you'd like for them to be able to make shots, but I guess that's just make more shots. That's just kind of a thing with our two basketball programs. But, man, they play hard. Um, and I think people have really connected with that program. And hopefully Mackenzie Holmes, you know, a little bit more time for her to uh, get back and and kind of become herself. Before we transition, though, to talking about the women's team, because we're going to bring Jeff and Kathy in here uh, soon, talk about the women's team. We'll, we'll still keep talking about the men's team as we go as well. You know, we didn't get a chance to talk to you on the Michigan postgame show, the Illinois postgame show, the Iowa postgame show. But you had a better vantage point than any of us being there. Give me like the your biggest observations from watching this team live for three days. Yeah, it, it, it was not fun. The first 29, 28, 29 minutes of the Michigan game, there was just no juice, um, no energy. It looked like they had might have cashed it in, and it just was, it, it, it was unbelievable. And then all of a sudden, it just flipped a switch, and, and the dam broke, and the comeback was incredible. And then they just played an outstanding game against Illinois, and played an outstanding game against Iowa. You can find pieces of, of great play and, and, again, criticism and a turnover here and there. But it was, Jared, what I thought we would get to a lot earlier in the season, especially after watching the Bahamas in the summer and and some of the energy that Coach Woodson had in, in the first time. So it gives me um, – it, it revitalized me a little bit as, as towards the end of the season, losing the 7 out of 10 in the Rutgers game – uh, I kind of wondered where the program was at. I didn't think it was at rock bottom. And then all of a sudden, that first half, that performance, and it was like, my goodness, how hard is this to – and I'm not ready to say we're back because of five halves of basketball. Um, but there have been a couple times this year where we were allowed to breathe a little bit better because it, it just was better than that. The Purdue win, uh, then we took a step back. But, boy, it, you could see it in the press conferences. I thought the – conversations and the press conferences were were better the the answers and and again winning it winning is easy you know you're going to feel better with, with winning but really enjoyed the offense uh really enjoyed the offense really appreciated the defense and just tremendous admiration for xavier johnson um you know it just it's a guards game and we have one of the premier guards in the big 10 running the indiana offense right now and then really proud of of 
TJD, um, you know, the, the comeback he had after that first half too, but just an all out effort, but the energy was in the gym. The energy was in the huddle, the bench energy, just all around exciting to watch, uh, in person. And, and I mentioned it earlier, the crowd was tremendous. And I think the crowd helped Indiana play really well. It's just what, what I grew up on and, and, and Indiana fans deserve that level of success. Yeah. I mean, what were your observations of trace? You know, because he was a guy, he played really bad in the first half against Michigan, and it really looked like from the very first possession in the second half, he was, you know, more active on defense. Like, it looked like something lit a fire under his rear end. I mean, yeah, is it that noticeable I, 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 in person? Absolutely. Um, Woodson probably, you know, there's probably some paint missing from the new uh, refurbished <laughs> locker rooms at Gamebridge Fieldhouse because he was really, really bad. Uh, his His body language was bad to start. It got worse in the first half. And then all of a sudden he found that niche and then against Kofi, he was just determined to push Kofi off the block. It was one of TJ's these best non-block defensive games. Yeah. Where his positioning was good. He wasn't beat. He was strong. He was he was locked in every possession in that Illinois game. And, and you know, we've talked about the burden of having all of the weight and all American status and all of that. And and TJD's had to learn how to deal with that. And sometimes he hasn't dealt with that. But he did after halftime when Woodson uh, challenged him. And that Illinois effort was fantastic. And then he comes out in a matchup that was designed for him because of Iowa's defense and lack of a huge post player, just dominated with, with what, 31 points or, or whatever he had. But he was All-American TJD for two and a half games. Uh, that It was just really good, good to see. And what a lethal combination between Xavier and him. It makes the other players better. Um, but one of the keys I think too, is having a healthy Trey Galloway. I know you and I went back and forth on, on brackets. I was probably uh, out of it a little bit and could have framed my tweet a little better on, on that one, but we are better with Rob and Trey. There is mm -hmm. just no doubt better athletes, more down the hill, more, um, you know, downhill driving, more defensive ability, but what effort those Rob and Trey might turn the ball over, might take some weird shots or not shoot in Rob's case. But those two play hard. I thought Geronimo was fantastic. Um, yeah, it just was – it was what you wanted from Indiana basketball when Mike Woodson took over. And, and, and you wish that it would have happened a little earlier. We wouldn't be in Dayton. But that we're dancing. So it, it was so dancing. much fun. So much fun, Jared, to watch in person this, in, this version of, of, of Indiana basketball. And it gives me a lot of excitement going forward regardless of what happens this week. All right, we are going to bring Kathy and Jeff are doing the work crew in here in just a second to talk about the women's draw and bracket. One more thing on the on the men's tournament before we move on to that. Any other matchups uh, jump out to you or, you know, where Big Ten teams were seeded? Uh, anything that you're kind of looking out for? Um, I know I didn't prepare you for this, but, you know, just anything else that jumped out when you saw the, the matchups yeah. announced? Um, I haven't really dug into the matchups all the time with what we're doing. We were worrying with what was the number of the seed uh, behind <laughs> yeah. it. And, and then I had, you know, 10 kids over here and feeding them and everything. And so I haven't really sat down and looked, but, but the two teams, Iowa, can they guard enough to continue this hot streak? And from, uh, uh, the five seed there, there was, I looked at it. They might have a path if they can keep playing well 
Uh, and I hate to say it, but Fran has done a really nice job with, with this group. That, that just hurts. But well, yeah, um, Providence is the four seed in their in their bracket. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and so love you, Al I Durham, think but I'm taking Iowa if they're matched up against Providence. Yeah, so Iowa can make a move on that. Um, of course, I, I like Illinois. I'm not sure who what one seed they're matched up with. Um, that 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 could be the difficult Sweet 16 round um, for them. I think Purdue's got Illinois Kentucky. with Arizona. But yeah, they've now, got Houston I, as the five seed in their bracket, which is a week five seed. Right. So I think Illinois could get to the Sweet 16. And when you get there, then it's it's just a game, um, you know, some breaks. So I think those are the two teams that I'm looking at. Uh, I don't think Wisconsin uh, will, will go very far. Don't be surprised to see Michigan State. Um, not. I mean, I don't think they're going to win the 8-1 game if, if um, they get there. They seven. I forget what they are, but their matchup in the second round. But I think they they are sneaky good. I don't. I think they underachieved um, this Ooh, they year. Could beat, and with, if they beat Davidson, they could beat Duke. Duke yes. is not. Duke, Duke is not that, that that's good. That's my point. Yeah. Okay. So they're ten. They were a seven. Um, they were the seven, and Davidson was the ten. So, and I think Izzo and that that would be uh, again. Wouldn't that be great? Matchup, but if I don't Michigan think Wisconsin State ended ended Coach K's career because doesn't yeah, hasn't Coach great. K beaten Izzo like ten of eleven times or something? Isn't there some crazy yeah. stat that he always beats Izzo? Yep. Oh man! And I know everyone's mad that Michigan got a, a better seed. We had Indiana seated ahead of Michigan, but um, Michigan's capable uh, of pulling an upset or, or, or two. They have the ability. They've just been up and down. So I think the Big Ten is due to to make some make some run. Okay, we got a barking dog, and that means <laughs> that it is time to bring in the doing the work crew, Jeff Marlowe and Kathy Amos to talk about the IU women's team and their draw. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Talking, we're spending all this time talking about, you know, the men that are in the first four, the women, a three seed hosting NCAA tournament games. Uh, let's get your reaction. Kathy, you first, your reaction to seeing that Indiana got a three seed. Yeah, boy, I was ecstatic, right? These the the women have just played played their played the butts off all year and they really deserve this. I mean, they had such a, a hard, hard, you know, Andy talked about it in his comments as well, a hard stretch down the, down the end here. And, you know, they battled through it and they've had some adversity and they've come through and they, they really pulled it together in that, that big 10 tournament run almost pulled it off and beating Iowa. There is just, Iowa is like our kryptonite this year, right? Not just in um, women's 
um, basketball, but on the men's side and some other sports, football and whatever. So it was just a, it was tough, tough road for them. And boy, they just played them so hard in, in that game. And I was just ecstatic to see this for the women. They, they truly deserve this, I think. And, um, boy, you get to host and I'm, I, you know, we, we hosted a virtual happy hour and I've been seeing all over Twitter and here in the chat of people all going to the game. And so I'm with you, Jared, I'm, I'm jealous of all those folks that are getting, getting to go. And uh, hopefully they're going to fill up assembly hall and um, really um, support the women because it's such an advantage at, in that women's tournament to have that, that home, uh, be able to get that home field advantage there. So I, I'm ecstatic. I, I think it's, fantastic and you know um fun fact i think chronic hoosier put on twitter um today this is only the sixth time in in the history that um both our men and women's team have played in the um, ncaa tournament at the same time so um just super excited yeah it is coach marlo your thoughts on you know indiana getting a three seed and and then you know what the draw looks like give us you know especially for those who maybe don't follow yeah. and know the other teams quite as well as we do you know on the men's side you know and give us a taste of what it looks like in terms of the draw that they got yeah and i can talk about charlotte too jeff i pulled up some information <laughs> on them <laughs> well and and if you hear the dog it's my puppy that my wife is we got here just about three weeks ago. So we've got a new puppy in the house. So, oh boy. Uh, so if you hear the dog, it's probably <laughs> coming from me. Um, yeah. First of all, how about just the great year that they've had? They built off of last year. I mean, it was fun last year. I know Jared, you and I, I think we did at least one post game show on that run last year. And then of course, Kathy and I want to thank everybody that's been supporting us through the, during the, doing the work and, and Brian, Jared, everybody over, you know, assembly call on the back home network that had some faith in us to do it. So um, yeah, Charlotte's not as team as I'm, I'm as familiar with as some of the other people that we may have coming down the, the pike, but I uh, looked up 22 and nine, they were 15 and three in conference USA. You look at their resume though, a little bit, and I know they won the league title, but they had a few games against uh, tournament teams. They lost by 50 to North Carolina. Uh, they lost by 16 to a Delaware team that got into the tournament, and they lost by 16 to an Iowa State team. I kind of think that North Carolina games may be a little bit of an outlier, but there are other games against the teams that made the tournament that I could knowingly see didn't bode well. But in the men's side, and Jerry, I think this is one of the things maybe we ought to discuss a little bit as well is, Right now, you don't get some of those upsets, the 314, and knock on wood, hopefully it's not us, but the women's tournament doesn't tend to produce as many upsets in that yeah. first or second round as you get in the men's tournament. And I think part of that is the women playing at home when you're one of those top seeds. And so hopefully we take advantage of that. Um, they seem to be guard heavy. I looked up their stats. Um, they have a 5'8 guard, Octavia Jet Wilson, that's averaging just under 20. Um, if five rebounds, one and a half assists, and then another 5'8 guard, uh, Michaela Boykin, 13.3, five and a half rebounds, 2.6 assists, I think I wrote down if I can read my own writing. So they seem to be guard heavy, didn't seem to have a lot of size. And Ari told us in the happy hour that we had earlier tonight that McKenzie made the comment tonight at the press conference after the draw that she's feeling better, and we saw her play a little bit better on the weekend in the Big Ten tournament. So this may be a game where a, a, a much healthier Mackenzie Holmes could be big in this Charlotte game. Yeah, the Charlotte. I mean, Indiana was playing like one of the best teams in the country before Mackenzie yeah. Holmes got hurt, you know? So yeah. her being healthy, if they can get that edge back that they had when they had her, 
and they're not playing, you know, game after game after game like they were down the stretch. Right. I mean, there's a lot of reason to think that even though this IU team struggled a little bit down the stretch, they could be shot out of a cannon a little bit here now that yeah. the tournament's here. Yeah, the, the other thing with Charlotte, too, that I found interesting is they average 76 points per game, um, you know, and as our um, our team has only allowed, I, I don't know, Jeff, help me with my numbers, what, three three teams, maybe four total? Oh, over to score over 70? Score yeah. over 70 this year. So, you know, they're only averaging 76. The interesting thing is they they don't, they must not play a whole lot of defense either because they allow 73 points per game. Um, so I, I kind of feels like, again, I haven't seen the Charlotte play, but on paper, they look like a, a good matchup. In fact, yeah, Jeff mentioned two of their players. There's a, th- a third guard who averages 16 points per game as well. Um, they do have a double digit average um, coming off of their bench. So that's kind of an interesting um, uh, that, that I saw on the roster as well. Um, so I, it looks like they're pretty, you know, guard heavy but on the other hand like they're not really much of a threat percentage rise from three they only shoot 30 percent from three so um i think on paper this looks like a good matchup now when you get to the rest of our bracket i mean boy yeah and i think look we don't want to take anybody lightly but yes. we can as i was telling coach we can look ahead the team should not look ahead they need <laughs> <Right>. to focus <laughs> yeah but for that for you know for indiana as a three seed to lose at home would in the first round would be very very unlikely so let's look yeah. ahead to what kind of comes after that. What what do they look like they could potentially be facing in the winner of the 6-11 game? Because that would also be a home game, right? The women get yes. to host yeah, two home games? Be, okay. Yes, yep. yes, that would be home as well. Um, it would be Kentucky. Ah. Kentucky 6-11. Um, they, just, uh, they just upset um, South Carolina in the SEC tournament. Uh, South Carolina is a number one seed on a different bracket on the Greensboro side, but Kentucky has been playing really well down the stretch here. Now, we did play them earlier in the year. Um, that was early. That was uh, like the second week in November, and we beat them pretty handily, if I remember. It was around by 20 points. Um, but, yeah, it, it, you know, you know, you got to leave it to the committee. I can't imagine, again, they can say that wasn't by design, but <laughs> it just seems kind of unlikely. Um, so if we can get past Kentucky, looking at the other um, teams in our bracket, then you have NC State as the number one seed in the, in our bracket here. And that's another team we played earlier this year. Um, that was a team we lost to, but it was a very hot, hard fought game. If I, Jeff, keep me honest, five points we lost by something around there. Yeah, maybe end up seven or eight, but it was pretty much a three, four point game, pretty much the whole way. Yeah, and they Kathy, they kind of took over at the very end, yeah, but it was I remember watching that one. Kathy, before you get back to for there, and we're, we we've also skipped a you're skipping a blue blood that we'd have to play before we even get to NC State. Yeah. So, so but anyway, but I want to go back yeah. to Kentucky. I agree with you. I think Kentucky is obviously a favorite there, but these Ivy League teams in the women's tournament can be sneaky good. There's been some Ivy League teams that have pulled some upsets. You don't get very many of them, but there have been some Ivy League schools that have done fairly well in this first round, second round of the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. on the women's side. Princeton's 24 and 4. They went undefeated in the Ivy. I know they didn't play a really strong schedule, but I'm telling you, if Kentucky comes in there, maybe overlooking them and thinking they're going to get that rematch with Indiana, I. Princeton yeah. scares me if I'm a Kentucky fan in that game. I, I really, those Ivy League women's teams have always been competitive, or I should say always, but more times than not are competitive and sometimes pull that upset in that first game of, of the weekend. So um, don't overlook this Princeton Tiger mm-hmm. team. So let me, let me ask you guys this, you know, as we look toward, I mean, look, you know, the women's team went on a big run last year. They've had a terrific season, you know, so far this season. 
you know, Grace Berger, obviously, you know, one of the leaders, the catalysts on offense, McKenzie Holmes, go-to person down low. And I think you, you can kind of count on those two, but who is, who's the X factor? Like who's the player that if Indiana goes on a deep run is able to, you know, beat UConn and beat NC state and just have a special run, you know, who's the player most likely to be like, you're at the end of it. You're like, wow, what a, what a tournament she had. She made the biggest difference. Like who is um, that for this team? Kathy, I'll um, let you go first. You want me to go first? Yeah. We probably have different people, but maybe uh-huh. not, but I'm going to guess, I can guess yours, but for me, it's Nikki, um, uh, Nicole Cardania Hillary. And for me, the reason she's the X factor is just her defense. She was on the all big 10 defensive team. Um, I, I think she probably had a really good shot at really being defensive player of the year for us. And when she is going on defense and then is able to contribute um, offensively as well as our, you know, main, main point guard and, and really distributing and been scoring as well. I think Nikki for us is the X factor. Um, so, I mean, there's, I think there's two you could go with, but I'm going to pick Nikki. So maybe you're going to go the other way, Jeff. I'm going to go one A and one B. I'm going to go, first of all, to me, it's Alexa Goldbay. Most, most definitely. I think Alexa's, we've talked about her a lot of times on the doing the work podcast that she's the glue. And when she's playing well, just because of all the different things, but I honestly also think we've talked about this a ton. You look at the big 10 tournament last week, the three games they won, uh, or the two games, three games they won. Allie Patberg played like Allie Patberg could play. And then on Sunday against Iowa, she struggled again. So to a certain degree, Jared, I think this team kind of ends up going at the end how Allie Patberg goes. And so we need an Allie Patberg that's going to play a consistent Allie Patberg game. But I I still think we can overcome that if Alexa plays the way Alexa's capable. If Alexa can go out there and get a 15-8, and we can overcome that. Problem has been at times Alexa hasn't done that. And, and Allie's having a bad night and you can't have both of them have a bad night. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So as we, you know, get ready to watch this first round game, which again, we expect Indiana to control and win going away. And I think it's fair to, to expect that. What is the thing to watch for? You know, that, you know, to, to, because again, Indiana should dominate this game, but what's the thing that fans can watch for to say, okay, you know, this, these one or two things are happening. This team is keyed in and ready to to not just win this game, but play well against whoever they're facing in the second round too. Like, what are those keys yeah. for this for this group? You want to go first, Jeff, or you want me to? Yeah, maybe can go back and forth a little bit here, yeah. Kathy. I, one thing I'm going to be watching for, especially in that second round game, Jared, is rebounding. Mm-hmm. They, the, this team, when they're playing well, they win the battle on the glass. The games they have really struggled in, Michigan. Uh, Nebraska, to a certain degree, the Iowa games, they have really struggled on to, to rebound. And they've, so they, but again, McKenzie missed several of those games, but they've got, if McKenzie's healthy, that'll make a big difference. But that's kind of what I'm watching. And that first game against Charlotte, I want to see if they, I got a feeling Charlotte's going to try and really get downhill on us and really attack and see if we can move our feet against maybe a little more athleticism. I'm not saying Charlotte is more athletic. I'm just saying they may think they have that advantage. And so that's something I'm going to be watching that first game. Can we control penetration? If we can, then I really think I really, really like our game in that first game. Yeah, I, I had two things, two factors. I One is rebounding as well. That's definitely a big thing that um, this team can go on um, streaks where they're not scoring 
Uh, we saw that in the Iowa game in particular, and I think that really cost them in the Big Ten tourney championship game. But they can go on some really long streaks where their their shots just really aren't going in and they're not getting some strong shots. So that would be the second thing that I'm going to watch are, are their shots going in for them, which I, I know we, you know, it seems quite obvious. <laughs> I mean, the, the name of the game is basketball and you put it in the hoop. But Does um, shooting so matter? Cool. Are we sure? Is it is <laughs> it important? <laughs> it seems so obvious, but boy, they are want to go on on some long streaks where they don't score. And so, you know, again, getting to the basket and driving, they can't be over-reliant on the three ball um, and really just driving the ball and getting it into to the paint, whether it's to McKenzie or, you know, Nikki driving it or, or Grace getting her pull-up jumper. That's what I'm going to be watching for on Saturday. And, and if they get that rematch with Kentucky, Jared, the other thing I'll watch for, I'll be coach. Coach Tonsani will probably be shaking his head. Yes, having turnovers. This is a team that this women's team, when they can take care of the ball, they will find ways to score, but there are too many games where they get 17, 18 turnovers. And that just, and if I remember right, Kentucky pressured them a little bit in that first half of the first game and we struggled a little bit. So um, I know we won that game by 20, but it, I expect a much closer game because, we, but turnovers will be the key thing I'm looking for in that second game. Yeah. Uh, when is the first round game? I haven't Saturday. looked. Okay. Wow. They don't play till Saturday. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, what, what, what time are they playing? <laughs> They have not released they the time. Released times, yeah. Yeah. And okay, they knew that, you know, they had such a long time there and now they get a long time to repair. And boy, when these, these women prepare, it's, um, it's great. And plus if McKenzie's feeling good, now yeah. she's got a full week of, of full practice. And yeah. Kathy, uh, we, we, you know, we weren't together last week for the doing the work podcast. I was out of town, but Keandra Brown missed a couple games, the big 10 yeah. tournament. You would hope to think Keandra will be back and healthy because you may need a big body in the tournament during, you know, against some of these teams. Yeah, so what, she's had a, a nagging hip injury all year, and it, it flared up on her right before the Big Ten tournament. She tried a couple times, just couldn't couldn't make a go of it. Sorry, before Derek. I before I get a last question to you guys, what what's our plan? We're going to have shows every game. The women are playing. We're doing a post game show, right? Yep. Excellent. Okay. So we're going to keep it again in the off season. You guys have done such an awesome job with the show. We're going to spin it out into its own show, its own feed, everything. Um, for now it's staying right here in the assembly call feed. Um, so be on the lookout every NCAA tournament game for the men, for the women, there will be a new post game show that you can watch live on our YouTube account. The podcast will be here. Uh, so you can follow along. Hopefully both teams make deep runs. My last question for you guys, and then we're going to bring Rick Bozich in, uh, and talk a little bit more about the men's draw. What is a fair expectation for you're like, what will make this a successful run, you know, to where you look back on it and it it feels fulfilling, you know, given what they accomplished last year, given how they've played at times this year, can you put it into perspective for me, you know, as as a a fan of this team, what should I be expecting and hoping for as, as they get set to embark on this NCAA tournament journey? Yeah. Gosh, that's that's a tough question coming off the top of my head. Um, um I'll go first, Kathy, because I've yeah. got I've had this one for a while. And I, I just think that Coach Tonsoni, I was listening to you while we were sitting kind of backstage talking about the men. You, you get to that second weekend, I call that a success. I, I think you got if they make it back to the sweet 16, I'm gonna mm-hmm. call it a success. Anything beyond that, I'm not I think that's that's icing because you look this year, the draw is well, and again, if if everything chalks out. Um, UConn at the two seed. I, I'm not saying we're going to go in there and be and get rolled over or be scared of them, but let's face it. This is a UConn team that has the tradition and the history that they've earned. And so you're going to fight. That's going to be a tough battle, but I will call it a success because as coach was talking about on the men's side, sometimes it's just about matchups. It's about who you play when you play them. And, and, and to me, once you get to the regional weekend, 
it you could be the win team. The, the difference between you moving on and going home is so so small that I'm st- I'm not going to be disappointed if they get to that Sweet 16 or beyond. But for me, they need to get to the Sweet 16. They win these first two games, get to the regional. I'm going to call it a success. I know the players might not, but I will call it a success and, and be and be just as proud of them as I was last year. Yeah. Hey, if we get to I, face I them in the Sweet 16, just remember. It's not like they're the University of Jesus Christ and we're playing the 12 disciples. It's just UConn, <laughs> right? Thank you, AJ Morgan. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, you know, before I saw, before I saw the bracket, I would have said Elite Eight. Um, boy, it, it, it is just a tough bracket, even the Kentucky game. And, you know, I know, again, we beat them earlier and Kentucky's only six, but boy, they are hot right now. So getting past Charlotte, getting past Kentucky and into that Sweet 16 for me um, would be fantastic. And then, yeah, again, on paper, it looks like we'll be meeting up with UConn. So and then if we can get past UConn to get to the final four, that means we have to go through NC State again. I mean, we just Jeez. got a really tough bracket. So, That's a gauntlet. Um, it, is, it really is. And then you have Notre Dame on that side, too, by the way. And um, we haven't really even touched them. But Notre Dame's got a strong history on the women's basketball side as well. So um, it's just a really tough bracket. And so, again, Sweet 16, they've just been such a joy to watch. I, I you know, as long as they continue to provide that that joy, even if they they lose um, to whoever it is uh, before the, the elite eight or final forum, I'm super proud of them and I've been enjoying them all year and I'll continue to enjoy them next year too. All right, Jared, I want to say, Jared, real quick before we go, I want to say this yeah. and, and, and I coached on Sony and you have talked about this a little bit as well. And with the men's side, but I was having the conversation with grace the other day. For those who haven't seen it, we got the new grace burger episode up on the podcast, but there's you, grace has touched on this a couple of times. I talked to her the other day about there's a real connect between these two teams. Both teams are supporting each other. And to me, that's just such an awesome thing because I was talking to her and it was the night after the Michigan game and the Big Ten tournament for the men. And they were all, she was talking about how excited they were that the guys were able to come back from 17 down and said they were sure they were going to watch that game the next day against Illinois. And so I, I just think that speaks volumes. I know there have been times where we've seen them on TV where the men are at the women's game and the and 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 Grace has told me they go to the men's game. I haven't seen as much of them on TV being shown, but there's a real connected there between those two programs. It's awesome to hear. All right, Jeff Marlowe, Kathy Amos, the host of Doing the Work. Catch them Saturday after Indiana's opening round game. Jeff and Kathy, thank you for being here and for everything you've done this season. Looking forward to listening to many shows as they make a deep NCAA tournament run. Thanks, everybody. Take care, All righty. And we are going to we are going to bring in Rick Bozich and Alex Bozich. Look at that. (laughs) Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I'm in together (laughs) to talk about, uh, to talk a little bit more about Indiana's draw um, playing Wyoming in, uh, in the first four. Uh, Rick, let's go to you. I know you don't have a ton of time uh, and same with you, Alex. So we'll, we'll try and get this in quickly, but give me your, your initial reaction after waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Uh, Indiana in the playing game against uh, against Wyoming. What was your initial reaction? 
Um, I was surprised they were in the playing game because most of the brackets I read didn't have them in that. Um, seems like were they the last team in or the next to the last team in? I'm not sure. I guess Wyoming. Do you know how that, that fell, Coach? Yeah, they were uh, the next to the last team okay. in, um, in in the bracket. Strange when you look at some of the computer rankings uh, that they're ranked certainly ahead of Notre Dame and several other teams ranked ahead of them. And, you know, as tough as it is for Indiana to play in Dayton and then fly to Portland will be even tougher on Wyoming because they got to travel from Cheyenne to Dayton. They might even be coming right now. I mean, I don't know. Uh, and then if they would win, have to go back to Portland. So tough draw, tough scheduling, but at this point, nobody cares. You just got to play a game and win. That's right. That's right. What what sense do you get about this matchup for IU and how they'll be able to handle it? Have you have you been able to study Wyoming very much? I've just looked at them at a, li- a little bit. I mean, that doesn't seem like a team that plays particularly fast. Um, not a team particularly big. Their two uh, go-to guys are, are front court guys, six seven and six nine. Uh, they got one dude I saw who's made eighty three threes and is a forty percent three point shooter, uh, but he's he doesn't get. A, a ton of minutes. Uh, so he, I guess he'd be a limited usage guy. Um, you know, it's a second year coach from a, they, they were pretty bad a few years ago and this guy Linder's kind of turned it around. Um, I've talked to a coach who's played against them twice in that league and said he thought Indiana would, would, should be able to beat them, but uh, you never know it's in the tournament. Yeah. And you know, what is your sense? I mean, obviously, you know, the way Indiana played in the Big Ten tournament has everybody believing, you know, that this team right. can really do some damage. Can this team do some damage? I mean, you know, say they get past Wyoming as you look forward, you know, to that matchup against St. Mary's and then obviously UCLA, you know, you would assume would kind of be the next. What do you feel about the draw that Indiana got in terms of their potential to do something with it? I think it's a tough draw. I mean, St. Mary's have been pretty playing pretty well recently. Uh they're the only only team in the league that beat Gonzaga, correct? Yep. Uh, and they're staying out on the West Coast in Indiana. That's a they're going to be playing in less than forty-eight hours after flying. They're playing the late game on Tuesday night and then flying across the country and playing in Portland. That's that's like what NBA teams do. And I know they're young guys, but that is still a pretty big ask of them. Uh, well, Mike Woodson Mary's, should have some experience to, uh, <laughs> to give. He ain't playing. Okay. Mike Woodson was playing in his prime. I'd pick <laughs> Indiana. Um, St. Mary's is a big physical team. When I saw when they beat Gonzaga, that's what they beat them with their physicality. So uh, you know, it'd be a, plus it's a quick prep for the you know it'd be a quick prep too for St. Mary's because they but they can prepare for two teams ahead of time. Indiana would have a short. I mean, they're going to be preparing for that game on the on the flight to Portland in the middle of the night. <laughs> they're going to be flying out of Dayton past uh, you know one o'clock in the morning. Whichever team wins, one o'clock in the morning, they're going to be flying out of Dayton to go to Portland. Um, you know, and I saw that Notre Dame and Rutgers got the same situation. They're playing on Wednesday or yeah, Wednesday. And then they got to fly to San Diego and play on Friday. So I, the way I look at that is it, it, the teams that play in Dayton, I don't think should have to play on the West coast the next game. They should put them in Pittsburgh or Milwaukee or, or, yeah. or, or Greenville or something. That's, that's kind of an unfair disadvantage to put a team in. Yeah. Okay. I, I know you don't have a lot of time, so let yeah. me get you out of here with this question. What's the biggest X factor for you for Indiana making a run? Um, well, one is Xavier Johnson has to keep playing the way he's playing. Um, but the biggest one is, I mean, you got to get one of the other guys, whether it's Stewart or Cop or Galloway or one of those guys to deliver one of their A games. It uh, can't just be, you know, 
you know, the three guys, Thompson, Trace Jackson, Davis, and, and Xavier uh, Johnson. It's got to be one of those other guys. I mean, Copper Stewart's got to make some shots. And, yeah. you know, that's why they lost to Iowa in the first half. They're up 15 to three and could have been up 21 to three or 24 to three if, if Stewart or Cop hit some shots. And they just, Cop hit two in the second half, but they're getting open shots. And Woodson, if you read between the lines at his press conference, is saying, we keep getting open shots. We just got to knock them down. And we know he's talking about it. He doesn't ever throw players under the bus, but they're getting them open shots. At some point, they got to make them. Got to make them. Rick, thank you for joining us right. this weekend for You're the welcome. Big Ten Sorry. Tournament Show and for being here tonight. All right. Talk to you later. Appreciate it. All right. From one Bozich to the next, Alex Bozich here uh, to give us some insight on uh, the opponent Indiana has. Look at the setup, Coach, that Alex has now. He's got the mic. He's got like the nice background where it's out of focus and he's in focus. You stepped up your game here, Bozich. Come a long way after you taught me the <laughs> podcasting ropes, Jared, for many years. It's good to be on a podcast with you again. We should do an episode of Podcast on the Brink. I feel we like should. we need to do one for old time's sake. Wyoming's an interesting team, man. I've started to yeah, tell us about them. comb through the, the profile. Um, there's a really good piece if you're an athletic subscriber. I think CJ Moore did it. It was like a film room type study. It's probably more in-depth than anybody would ever want to go on Wyoming basketball, but uh, talked a lot about their offense. And really, um, this is a team that's going to basically post up every possession. They've got two guys that use a ton of possessions. One of them is their point guard, who's six foot seven, and the other guy, uh, their big guy, six foot nine, with a seven five wingspan, hands bigger than Kawhi Leonard. Uh, that was a that was a note in the athletic story that was interesting to me. But but basically, this is a team that offensively likes to create a ton of mismatches and, and uh, switching. And their their coach Jeff Lender really studies a lot of European basketball. Uh, to to figure out uh, different concepts and supposedly has this 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 massive playbook in terms of what they like to do. So uh, on a short prep, it's 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 definitely going to be uh, tough uh, for Indiana, and I don't think it's a team um, that Indiana can over overlook um, because this is um, going to be a team that you know it's very hungry. Uh, this is only the 16th time Wyoming's ever been to the NCAA tournament. This is a coach who's coaching in the NCAA tournament as a head coach for the first time. And I think they're a quality team. Uh, do I think that Indiana's uh, should be the favorite and this is a game they should win if they play up to their potential? Yes, but we've talked about that a lot of games throughout the season and Indiana doesn't always show up with their A game. So I think this is a game where Indiana's very much going to have to play well to win. Mm. How do you think they're handling this quick turnaround? Like, do you think that one of the coaches is looking at St. Mary's stuff right now so that they're going to be prepared for that in the event that they uh, win? I think that's a pretty dangerous game to to play. I think you I mean, obviously the hands. play you wouldn't do that and with coach, the players, but I'm saying would you have one coach that's really digging into St. Mary's since you're not going to have much time if you win this game? Coach, what do you what do you think on that? Uh I think yeah, you, you you have to be ready um, for all three teams. Um, 
You know, you're you're going to have it, it's interesting. When my son was manager down there in 2016. As soon they were doing prep before the selection show, so they were trying to guess, you know, who their potential opponents were, and they're starting to collect all the tape. And then their night never ended. Like the managers were up 24 hours because they cut film back then in that in the Tom Crean era. They had to have the film ready by six o'clock in the morning. The idea of Tom um, Crean trying to guess who the NCAA tournament opponent yeah, is going to yeah. be is but, hilarious. But they just gather all kinds of stuff, and that's where you have that support staff. So they'll hand it off. One of the coach, uh, Yah will have one team, Fife will have one, and, and that, and they're going to work throughout the night uh, in, in getting ready. But you've got you to win the first one, right? So the yeah. predominant work has to be in getting through Tuesday night and, and then having a file of stuff and a tape you know, on the computer, ready to roll as soon as you win that one. So on the flight, you're, you're prepping for that. So there's a lot of background work, but the emphasis is going to be on Wyoming for the most part. Yeah. Right. I mean, you got to look a little bit ahead, obviously to St. Mary's just so the event that you're going to play them. But I I think, um, yeah, I think you got to have the head coach and two assistants locked in on Wyoming. And then maybe you give one of the assistants a little bit of look ahead, uh, to St. Mary's, but you know, the thing that, you know, Indiana's this, you know, the teams that are in the first four, um, you know, as, as my dad said here before the, the, the schedule of, of all this and, and kind of being able to go to one site on a Tuesday and then potentially have to go to the West coast three hour time difference and play less than 48 hours. That's a daunting task. And that's a, that's going to be a really tough turnaround, but but yeah, I don't I don't think you can afford to look too far ahead uh, of this game on Tuesday. Uh, I think this, like I said, I think it's a really quality opponent, one that Indiana should beat if they play up to their potential. But you know, it, it's 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 March and anything can happen at this point. Hey, let me ask you one guys of the this. things. Oh, go, go ahead, ahead coach. coach. I'll, no, I'll one of the things. Then. One of the things, Alex, that all of those are stuff. This the flight, the turnaround, but also if you get a game in. And you're in that flow. That's when that. That's when you see the the first four teams at least advancing to the Sweet 16 because they they won. They have their confidence. They have the routine down of practice and the sights and all those kinds of things. So there are some struggles with that schedule, but there's also a benefit. UCLA took advantage of that. Other teams have taken advantage of that uh, over the years. It still comes down to how you play and defend and put the ball in. But um, you know, you win that and one. That- you got you got some momentum. Yeah, and I think for Indiana too that the the players are probably pretty excited that they get to go and play right away and not have to wait till Friday. I mean, yep. they they were in a pretty good flow in the Big Ten tournament, played really well three straight days. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, say you play Saturday and then you don't play again until Friday. That's a pretty long gap. Well, Indiana now just has a Sunday yep. and Monday off, and they get a chance to go play again Tuesday. And you know, they if they can win, then you know. That adrenaline's going to kick in. They're going to get to Portland at whatever time, three or four in the morning, and they're going to wake up and say, "Here we are in the round of sixty-four with a chance to to go be a twelve seed that knocks off a five. Why why couldn't they do it? They just beat uh, Michigan. They just beat Illinois. They took Iowa that that won the Big Ten tournament down to the wire. They're playing as well as anybody. Uh, I just think it's a, a really tough. Um, I think Wyoming is a really tough prep uh, just because of the way they play uh, with, with the two guys that are really uh, just kind of hell bent on creating mismatches and, and posting you up. I mean, th- that that's going to be interesting just to see how Indiana approaches 
uh, guarding a, a six-seven point guard that likes to back guys down? Is that do you put Xavier Johnson in there? Do you is is that going to be a situation where you you know if it's a guy trying to back you down constantly, do you try to throw Race Thompson on him for a little bit? You know, I, I think that's going to be kind of a chess match and and uh, really interesting to see how Indiana uh, approaches that. But it's uh, you know I think I can speak for everybody that's covered this program for any length period of time it's it's just nice to be back in the position where we're talking about an ncaa tournament game it so is exactly so let me ask you guys this you know this season has been such a wild swing you know there in you know mid-january we're all just kind of assuming indiana is going to make the ncaa tournament with how they'd started and then they fade in february and uh, you know at one point you know after the the Rutgers game more so after the purdue game it's kind of like geez are we even going to make it in um, you know, and then you have the big swing during the Big Ten tournament. I think a lot of people talked ourselves into this team's going to get a bye. You know, maybe they can be a 10 seed, an 11 seed. Um, you know, and so then you're sitting there watching the selection show. Region after region is being called. We don't see our names. And then we're just excited to be in the playing game, right? So it's been this swing of emotions. And it's, you know, it's all happening real fast, right? But at the end of the day, we're all excited to be part of the NCAA tournament again. But how important do you think it is, both of you guys, how important do you think it is Indiana wins this first game? Which, look, it's it's not officially called a play-in game, right? It's officially called the first round. Like, you're in the NCAA tournament. But it does get framed as a play-in game. And I think some people actually think of it like, you're. and I know this because people were tweeting this, like you're not actually in the NCAA tournament unless you win this game. No. Indiana made the NCAA tournament. But there still is that perception that it's not quite the NCAA tournament if it's the playing game. So how do you how important do you think it is that Indiana wins this game and gets to play a game in the round of 64 just for perception wise? You know, like three, four months down the road, is there going to be this narrative of yeah, but about this accomplishment getting into the NCAA tournament? I don't think so, to be clear. But I'm just wondering for you guys for kind of these perception issues for the program, offseason momentum, how important is it that Indiana wins this first game against Wyoming? Alex, you first. I mean, I I think it's obviously you'd like to to win, but I agree with you. Uh, you can say all you want about they're in the first four. I mean, the tournament now is sixty eight teams, so it's not sixty four anymore. So sixty eight get in. So Indiana made the tournament. Whether or not they make it to the round of sixty four, the the round of thirty two, whatever. Um, and, and I've been pretty consistent. Um, you know, when fans have asked me all season, what, how do you gauge a successful season for Mike Woodson in year one? And I said, he's got to make the tournament that, you know, that's what Archie Miller couldn't do. That's the reason Archie Miller is no longer the coach at Indiana. And I, and I felt like the roster was set up for him to have success. Uh, I think more than anything else right now, what's top of mind for people is, what they just saw in the Big Ten tournament, which Indiana showed they could play as well as any team in the league. They got all the way to the semifinals, which is something that they haven't done since 2013. Um, I mean, sure, it would be great uh, for offseason momentum and to feel really good about the program to to get to Portland and give yourselves a chance to advance, but I, I don't necessarily um, think that it's going to make that big of a difference one way or the other uh, if they win a game or two or if they lose the first game in terms of how this season will be remembered. I think ultimately it's going to be looked at as a season that Indiana underachieved for a large portion of it but found its footing late in the season, found its way 
to be able to get into the tournament. And I think that's what people uh, should remember most. You can't, you know, you got to take baby steps, right? I mean, Mike Woodson wasn't going to come in here and just, you know, wave a magic wand and say all of a sudden Indiana is going to be in the elite eight or the final four. But I think this is the first step. And I think the expectation every season for Indiana should be to make the tournament. And obviously it's not good enough long-term if you just get in every year and don't win. But for a first year, you know, I'd say overall, regardless of what happens on Tuesday and beyond, you have to look at this season as a success because they got somewhere they haven't been in six years. Yeah. You know, I, I think, a, a success would have been to play better for me at, at that. But I agree with Alex that um, this is where the bare minimum should be for Indiana is just getting into the tournament. And if, if he can start here, that's a very good first step. And then uh, again, the, the goal next year is to get a better seed and a better seed and then get back to where we all believe Indiana should be if, if they can get there. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was so vital. Alex, you, your point about, the way they ended up playing in the Big Ten tournament was really important perception-wise, more so than winning Tuesday. We would all like that to happen, but they really had to switch things up in a hurry at the 12-minute mark of the second half because it was really bad basketball, which would have ended uh, you know, eight losses in, in, in 10 games or whatever and not making the tournament. And that momentum would have – those doubts, they were all in all of us about what direction the program can – is Woodson making the right adjustment from the NBA? All of those would have been the narrative. Now the narrative has changed because of making the NCAA tournament, and that has to be labeled a, a, a success. But really for me, the play, the way they played in the Big Ten tournament from that 12-minute mark of the second half of Michigan is – probably where we want it to be and where I thought it was going to be coming out of the Bahamas thought it would be a lot earlier. We saw glimpses of it, but we didn't see the complete, you know, uh, 40 minutes like we did in the last two games. So I think it's a positive of, of where we're at. And I don't want to say playing with house money because that diminishes the role you, you play to win the game and, and it will be disappointing if Indiana is done after Tuesday, but this is, um, a lot better than, than where I thought we were with, uh, 12 minutes to go in Michigan. You know, I think uh, it also matters how they play on Tuesday, right, Coach? Yeah. Um, yes. If, they need to continue to what out, they've been doing. If they come out and play like they did in the Big Ten tournament and Wyoming plays better and beats them, you know, you tip your right. cap and, and, you, and you go home. If they come out and play like... You'll have to contend with Ryan that, Phillips, but the rest of us will... You know, uh... that, that plays to... <laughs> you know, that played uh, in so many of those games down the stretch where they couldn't close out and they, you know, kept making the same mistakes over and over you know, and they get embarrassed, then obviously people are going to feel a lot different about it. But I, I think one thing that has just been so frustrating and f- for people over the course of the season is just seeing what this team can be when they're playing well and wondering why that can't happen more consistently. And I think there's a lot of reasons that we could talk about and, and uh, point to as to why that is. But I think ultimately any team, you want to be playing your best this time of year. I mean, that was one of the primary gripes of Tom Crean's teams where they peaked early in the season. And then by the end of the season, they were out of gas. This is kind of a, a different feeling for Indiana basketball fans to see a team that, to come out in the big 10 tournament and win two basically must win games to get into the tournament. That's not something that's, it's happened uh, before. So I, I think whatever you want to say about Mike Woodson, uh, you know, however you feel about, you know, the job he did in his first year overall. Um, 
he got him to the tournament. Um, and that's at the end of the day, uh, I think d- depending on how you measure success, I think that's the baseline of success for IU basketball. And, and as I said earlier, you know, we're, we're, we're talking at, at 1051 on a Sunday night about Indiana's NCAA tournament draw. And that's, uh, you know, a good spot to be in. I think there's a lot, uh, darker times for IU basketball that have been in the past and we've all lived through them and talked about them and it's it's just fun again to be talking about tournament matchups and thinking about the possibilities of what can happen here over the next week it sure is man it's just it's nice to not just be here but to be here with a team that we believe could do something you know those two things together because there was a path where indiana might have just been able you win one or two of those games but you back in you're not playing well it still would have been exciting to make it but there's like kind of a next level of excitement where it's like let's go because i think this team can do something and I think a lot of IU fans feel that way, which, given where things were, you know, five halves of basketball ago, is an amazing. Well, tournament. Jared, that's the that's the test. Um, they need to continue playing well, yeah. Because, you know, in, in all honesty, and not to be a downer, it, it's just been five halves of basketball, and really four and a half halves of basketball. That if they had played this way a lot earlier, you're looking at a five, six, seven seed, and I think that's where Indiana's ceiling was and maybe you could argue that uh you know this is the lowest point of where they should be and they got there so so that's the good thing um but it is important win or lose the i didn't like seeing that shot go in by i was just stunned uh at at game bridge just stunned and, and sick to my stomach but you felt like that was a quality effort all the way around, even if the turnovers or, or they didn't cover switch on the backside of the uh, lift and replace or whatever that Iowa was running. They made mistakes, but man, the energy, the the passion, the the way they played, and that's what needs to continue. I think that's what Alex was saying, and I agree 100%. Yeah. If they come out and do that and, and just get beat, all matchups are tough in the NCAA. All teams want to be there. All teams are going to scout and want to win. But boy, I, I just can't get over how I enjoyed those last two and a half games as opposed to what happened the last 10 games. Yeah. And, and it's kind of rejuvenated and given me a little bit of hope going forward uh, that, that we're headed in a different direction. I feel like the whole fan play like they did against way. play like they did against Iowa and they're going to be going on. Cause yes, I mean, you know, and Alex, don't whatever you, you want to like, say about those last three or four minutes defensively the first, 30, the first 36 they got themselves in a position where they were they had yeah. the best team arguably in the big 10 of the, over the last couple of months on the ropes and yep. you, you want to say you had them beat that, that's fine but give iowa yeah. credit too i mean they made a bunch of threes down the stretch and iowa did just come back and, and beat purdue today they won four in a row and they're a team that people are looking at and say how far can these guys go so, and indiana had them right there uh so don't you think like alex that, you the defense beat anybody Sorry, the defense is is something that Indiana can hang their hat on too. As you go into that, if you can defend, uh, you're going to be in games, and and hopefully that'll equate to winning a little bit. That the defense has been consistent most of the year. Well, I mean, this game on Tuesday is going to be all about that. I mean, this yeah. is not a team that's going to run up and down and and give. I mean, they're what 54th in Ken Palm offense, 66 in defense, but in pace they're 238. They've got. Like I said, they want to. You look at their average possession length on offense. They're almost 19 seconds of possession. They're gonna make you guard them in the half court and and try to 
grind you down and make, make you uh, make mistakes. And that's one thing Indiana has been able to do consistently throughout the season for the most part is, is, is guard people. Now, can they score enough and can they create, uh, you know, so, some makes from the outside that, that'll get, I think ultimately that's probably what it's going to come down to whether or not they can advance. They're going to have to make some three pointers that are, that are wide open, but we, we all know how that's gone over the course of the season, but yeah, they're, they're going to be able uh, I think to defend well enough uh, to beat mostly anybody. I mean, they've got a top twenty right. defense in the country, but you know the other it's the other side counts both too. Into the court counts too. So we'll see how that all shakes out. One other interesting thing about their profile is you know they don't turn teams over, so their defensive turnover percentage right. is fifteen point eight percent, which is three hundred sixteenth. But they also don't give up a lot of assists. Uh, their assist rate is top twenty-five in the country, which suggests to me that they just, you know, they're not going out trying to force a lot of turnovers. They play solid and probably force a lot of ISOs, and that can give Indiana trouble. You know, if Xavier Johnson isn't able to get to some of his spots on the floor, if he and Trace aren't able to get some of the lobs and some of the things that they like to do, and so your point about Xavier Johnson is so right. He's been one of the best point guards in the country over the last six, seven, eight games. He's just going to have to, you know, not get frustrated if two, three, four possessions go and they're not able to get what he wants and he starts taking a bunch of long twos because we've seen, and and it's him trying to make plays. I don't think it's him being selfish, but based on Wyoming's kind of statistical profile, it seems like that's probably how they defend. And that's given Indiana some trouble. Um, So Indiana's just going to have to work through that, especially if they have three or four possessions that don't go their way in terms of being aggressive in the half court, which they like to be. Yeah, I think you also got to be worried about uh, one other thing, real quick. I just think you got to be worried about from an IU defensive perspective when you have two guys that are using, you know, Graham Ike's fifth in the country in possessions used uh, percentage wise, and Hunter Maldonado, the guy that's the, the, the point guard, the six foot seven, 30.5% uh, of possessions used on the court, 45th in the country. They both have really high free throw rates. I think the thing you worry about. Uh, with Indiana always is the is the foul trouble on TJD or Race Thompson or Xavier Johnson. Those are guys that Indiana has to have on the court for 35, 36 minutes a game if they're going to win. I think that's, you know, it, it's all going to come down to to uh, how they uh, are able to defend, I think, those post-ups. I mean, I, I think uh, Tony, Coach Tony uh, Dranya, posted something on Twitter tonight, you know, he thinks they could post up between 45 and 50 times in the game. I mean, that's what it's 65, 70 possession game. I mean, that's 80% of the time. That's what they're going to be doing. So uh, it'd be fascinating to me just to see how Indiana uh, tries to defend that and how they try to help. Uh, I think it was mentioned. They they do have a couple guys that can shoot the three pointer. One guy that's close to 37%, another at 40%. Uh, percent. So, you know, you're going to have to to figure that out schematically. And and I think, like I said, going back to that story that I read in, in The Athletic, there's it definitely sounds like their coach uh, has uh, a really firm grasp on, on how they like to play and, and what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to deviate from that. It's just going to come down to whether or not Indiana can get enough stops uh, to win the game. Probably going to be a Michael Durr game. He's probably going to need to come in and play some minutes, you would think, you, you to be able to defend down low. You, you wonder if they'll put race on him a little bit because the guy is 6'9". He's not a seven-foot dude, right? You might be able to play race on him a little bit 
prevent that foul. I think the foul trouble issue, Alex, is very, very vital, depending on who you put on the six, seven point guard who likes to crab dribble his way into the post, right? Are you going to put Parker Stewart? Are you going to put a bigger guy on, on the point guard or, but you, you got to be careful putting X on him, uh, because we need X on the offensive end, uh, as well. So I, I think the foul trouble, and again, the thing you mentioned, where the help comes from and who they can help off of and how do they rotate on the backside, tags um if they do decide to double maldonado or, or the big guy the backside tagging and recognition uh, is going to be the the important key to stopping stopping that kind of uh post presence alex i'll get you out of here on this because i know you got a lot of mm-hmm. uh, a lot of ncaa tournament work to do make sure everybody going to inside the hall.com although i assume everybody who's listening to this show goes to inside the hall.com for their indiana sports news the official website for indiana basketball news of the assembly call um, a few weeks ago, while I was watching Iowa play and surprised mm. while witnessing Iowa actually play with toughness, it was either against Michigan or Iowa. I believe I tweeted, I'm starting to think Iowa is the most likely team from the Big Ten to make the Final Four. And I believe your reply was, are you hacked? Would you like to respond to that now that Iowa has continued to play like basically a Final Four team since then? Well... I mean, if, if Jordan Bohannon's going to shoot like that and Keegan Murray's going to shoot like that, I mean, why why can't they win four games? You know, the thing I'll, I will say is I, I just don't trust Purdue very much right now. Uh, no they're, um, there's just the defense scares, you know, when you're filling out a bracket, you want a team that, you know, can play on both ends of the court uh, if you're going to trust somebody to win multiple games. And Purdue just hasn't proven that uh, with any uh, regularity. There's so many teams, I th- feel like, in this league, too, that, you know, Ohio State's going in the wrong direction. Michigan, they're talented as anybody. You can't trust them, though. Rutgers, I don't think, really has what it's going to take to advance. You start looking down the list, Michigan State's another one that kind of felt like they – hit a lull late in the season and maybe played a little bit better in Indianapolis. There's just not a lot of teams in the big 10 that you look at, uh, that have a, you know, a, a chance for a deep run in my opinion, Iowa, Illinois, you know, probably the two that I would like the most, uh, if I'm filling out my bracket, another team I, I definitely don't trust is Wisconsin because, no. you know, if Johnny Davis is not hundred percent healthy there, I don't know that they're going to win two games. You know, I think they'll, probably win one but if if davis can't uh play up to his uh standard that he set for most of the year i think wisconsin's a a candidate to get knocked off early so you know just based on on how they're playing uh iowa and and credit fran mccaffrey too i mean you know we like to make fun of fran for his for his defense uh over a long period of time and objectively they have been a joke on defense for for most seasons but in, in one of the better offensive teams but this year's team i mean you know, everyone thought they were going to take a pretty big step back losing Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp. They're better this year to me. Yeah. They're a better team. They're more well-rounded. Keegan Murray's playing like a lottery pick. He's going to make a lot of money uh, in a couple They're months. They're tough. It's an Iowa team that's pretty and, tough, and yeah. actually. And I think his sons are a big part of that. I mean, Connor yeah. McCaffrey, uh, as much of an agitator as he is, I think he's a guy that makes a lot of winning plays. And, and Patrick McCaffrey... Uh, definitely a guy that that made a ton of big plays against Indiana. Um, so yeah, Iowa. Um, who knows? 
could they be a final four team? I think it's definitely a possibility. Would I predict it? No, but uh, they're more well positioned this year uh, and a team that I would be more confident in than any of the teams he's had in the past. Yeah. Sorry about that whole segment, coach. I know you're. <laughs> That's all right. I'll get over my friend dislike. Alex, thanks, man. Really appreciate you hopping on. Hey, I don't. I, hey, coach, I don't. I don't like Fran either. But you know, I gotta get. <laughs> He's done, done well job, this though. year. Done a good He's job. He's done well. But dang, he He's has. on my list. All right, Alex. <laughs> we will be checking out insidethehall.com, and uh, maybe you and I will talk and see if we can do a podcast on the Brink episode this week. All right. Sounds good. Cool, man. Take, Take care. care. Thanks, Be Alex. All right, bye. The great yeah. Alex Bozich from InsideTheHall.com. Always appreciate having him on. Coach, let's wrap up with a couple things here. Um, one is a question that uh, our buddy Chad sent in earlier today, which was, all right, if you could have any game back from the regular season, because I told him if I could have any game back, I want the Iowa game back because I think if we played them again, we'd beat them, especially if they played like they did today against Purdue. Um, you know, or they're not making 14 threes. But if we could have any regular season game back with how Indiana's playing right now, which one would you like to have back? Um, I'm going to take that first Wisconsin game back. Um, when, when you're up 20 and you played like you kind of did in the Big Ten tournament in the first half, and then you came out and, and the shot selection, the guarding, that up and down play reared its ugly head and you lost in the Kohl Center again. And when I think back at it, that might have been the point where doubt started to creep into this team a little bit individually and collectively of like, okay, is this going to happen again? Where, you know, uh, I think it was also after the Syracuse double overtime loss, right? I was just, well, they beat right Nebraska at, in between. Right. So, but they had that double overtime where they played a half and then they didn't close. And then they had a big 20 point lead. And you just wonder if then in subliminally in their minds, they didn't know if they could close. And that just carried on throughout, even though they won the, the Purdue game, then they had the, the letdown against Michigan. So you wonder if they would have closed that out and beaten a Wisconsin team by 10 or 12. Let's say Wisconsin just had a little bit of a run in the second half instead of that big run. If that momentum of getting that early Big Ten win would have carried over uh, and, and taught them this lesson that they learned at the halftime of Michigan or whatever and and gotten the team to win a few more games to where they weren't playing in Dayton and, and had a much better seed. So there's quite a few, actually, you know, to be honest with you. You can't argue with your Iowa, uh, the, the Wisconsin-Rutgers games at home, the Ohio State game on the road, any game that you gave away in the last minute and a half you'd want back the way Indiana's playing right now. But that happens to teams, too. You're going to win some late. You're going to lose some some late. I just think the way Indiana's playing now, if you go back to play the first half of that season yeah, uh, over again, this is a whole different team if, if this momentum, this mojo they have right now occurred with a couple big wins because they really didn't play anyone in the non-conference. They lost that Syracuse heartbreaker, oh and then they lose that to Wisconsin. It's just one of those, man, we got to grind this out, grind this out, grind this out. And just a couple big wins wasn't enough to put them over the hump, but it seemed like that comeback at Michigan was enough to give them um, some mojo going forward. And that's why Alex's point about playing well Tuesday night, win or lose, is really, really important to end the Hold season that going thought. into Hold yep. that thought on the non-conference thing because I've got an amazing stat that I just saw tweeted. Yep. But on that question, I think you're right. I think Wisconsin is the right answer for a few reasons. <laughs> Number one, because they played well enough in the first half to win that game. I don't right. think any of us – 
I think we're all Great. impressed. I think we're all impressed with Wisconsin's ability to win games. Like that, you play to win the games. Congratulations! Like they had a good season. Wins matter. But I think we all feel like even though Wisconsin beat us twice, it's like damn it. I don't feel like they're that much better. Not not to mention. If you win that in this season of slaying demons and ending streaks, you end that stupid, ridiculous streak at the Cole Center. So I think you're right. For me personally, the other game I would like to have back is the Rutgers game. Um, right. Because, you know, someone asked me, like, which loss stung the most this year? It's like the Iowa loss, that stung in the moment. But by the time we were done with the show and then, like, this morning, I think you were really able to look back on that loss with some fondness for how they played. You know, it's a loss. You're disappointed, and they made mistakes at the end, but there was a lot to like about it. That Rutgers loss, man, I think I texted you guys this, right? Texted somebody. Like, that one took more out of me, I think, than any loss since we've been doing this show. Like, it was just hard for me to get over the way that they lost and Ron Harper hitting that shot, and it kind of felt like all the goals for the season are slipping away. You know, like, so I would like to have that one back because that one was killer, and I'd like to end the stupid streak against them, too. Um, but check this stat out. So this is Patrick Stevens from uh, Dis... Well, I guess his, his Twitter is Discourse with a 1 is the I. Indiana is the first at-large team seated 11th or worse with a non-conference strength of schedule of 250th or worse since 2006 Air Force. The Hoosiers are the first at-large team seated 11th or worse with a non-conference strength of schedule of 300th or worse since I don't know when. That's a stat right there. Now, let me ask well, you this. Actually, Drake last year, the, that, that there's a lot of truth to that. Drake was an at-large last year with 305. Um, okay, so us and Drake. <laughs> us and Drake. But before that, there was only one, because I had been saying that all year, that I was concerned that there wasn't enough wins in the non-conference. And, and ultimately, I think that's why – uh, people, uh, you get lower than Michigan. Uh, you yeah. get lower, uh, you know, Notre Dame sneaks in at the end. Um, after the fact, you know, I mentioned today with our group, we didn't put them in, but we said the committee rewards teams late. And then the first four that have played tough schedules because that is under their control. The the conference schedule, unbalanced schedule and how teams are, that's not in, in a team's control, but the non-conference is, and they tend to reward that um, a, a little bit. So, um, the, the premise of the tweet is absolutely correct. Normally teams, uh, 11th and below, or the last four in, if you don't have a, a good strength of, uh, non-conference strength of schedule, you, you, you run the risk of being left out. All right. So let me ask you this. We'll end on this, you know, because now, you know, the results of the season are in Indiana made the NCAA tournament. They did the most important thing they needed to do. And, you know, this non-conference, this non-conference schedule featuring, Five teams that finished 238th or worse, plus 181 and 195. It was put together to just rack up W's and, you know, to have to kind of ease into the season, playing a new system with new guys, you know, all of that. And look, sometimes you hope that, you know, I think maybe the hope was that Marshall would be better than 238 and some of that, but whatever. Do you think now, in hindsight, was it a mistake to schedule quite so lightly? You know, especially given the... I mean, maybe you can say that they learned something from those games, but did we? Like, not much that we saw in those games really translated, you know, in hindsight. But it's hard to, you know, it's hard to quantify without being in practice. But now that we have all the data in, do you think it was smart to do that and just 
make sure that you avoid bad losses or do you think that they should have scheduled even a little bit more aggressively in year one? So I'm going to go two ways. From a basketball standpoint, it's totally understandable from a coaching standpoint. When you're taking over a new team and you don't know what you have competitively uh, when the ball's tipped and the popcorn smells in the gym, you don't know, and you want to get some wins for confidence with the new program and get your system in and play a few different styles to get stuff on tape, totally a 1,000% agree with it. From a bracketology standpoint, which if your goal was to make the tournament, no, it wasn't the right thing to do because it barely you barely got in and it almost cost you a, a, a trip which could have been more detrimental down the down the line. And you could also argue that playing tough teams gets you prepared to win games like the Rutgers game, the Wisconsin game, uh, the Iowa game where you had the lead that maybe you learned those lessons in some tougher games early on. So there's a basketball component where you would say they needed to schedule tougher um, than that. So I, I get it from a coaching standpoint. We'll never uh, really criticize the schedule. I, I just think um, now hopefully you feel comfortable after a year. I know what Kansas is coming on the schedule. You always have yep. the ACC challenge. Um, but Michigan, Michigan is the blueprint. Michigan played the, the 32nd toughest non-conference schedule. They lost some games uh, that didn't you know look well, but they're 17 and 14, and they're one of the first few teams that get in since uh, I think Georgia was the, the only other team that wasn't four games above 500. And the reason they got in and out of the play-in game, even despite a loss in the Big Ten tournament, was because they scheduled tough. Yeah. Uh, and I, that's the goal for, for, I would suggest to coach Woodson, whether it's in second year or third year, but you even have, I, I, I think it was uh, Jay Wright mentioned they were seven and four at one point, maybe they scheduled too tough. Uh, Izzo a couple years ago, always scheduled tough starting out with the champions classic and some of those things. So you can schedule too tough and, and beat your team up without practice time. Uh, and, and the morale gets low and that could cost you, uh, down the line too. So there's another end, uh, end to that, but I firmly believe you got 11 non-conference games. You got to schedule six ones that are tough. Maybe even a mid-major. You go to you go to a ball state. You go to something where it's going to be a crazed element and the upset could happen. Um, but get six games that are going to be challengeable. Five cupcakes to get stuff on film, um, and, and do your best to win as many as, as you can. But then I think that pays your 11 and nine in the Big Ten or 12 and eight in the Big Ten instead of the other way around. Um, yeah. I think. Um, I just think that's a better way to schedule in the long run. Uh, we got lucky this year, um, but I thought one or two more would have been the, the best path. Yeah, and I think, look, you know, when you actually think back to how those games went, I think I side. I think I side that it was okay and probably smart for the reasons that you said about getting stuff on tape, and because look. Now, now, look, Rutgers had a bunch of bad losses in the non-conference, and it didn't kill them because they still made the made the tournament. But you, know, you think back to that first game, Indiana played Eastern Michigan. That's two hundred ninety seventh. They only won by six. Remember that when Eastern Michigan, yeah. you know, came back at the end of the game. You have the Marshall game, you know, where you're tied at halftime. Uh, you know, now you know they ended up winning in the second half. You know, so I think by doing that, you did avoid a devastating loss which if you keep everything else the same on the resume and then you have one of those bad losses because maybe you played a team in the 150s or something, you know, that might have hurt you a little bit. So, you know, look, I think it's one of those questions where the ends do kind of justify the means. And the fact that Indiana got in the NCAA tournament and that was kind of the reason why you scheduled it worked. But to your point, it can't be like this again. 
You know, right. you had your one year to do that. I do think it made some sense and it worked. And now yeah. we got to schedule better. And I think we will. I think it made a lot of sense, a lot of sense, but it, but for a basketball standpoint of building a program and, and that's one, just like the suspension thing in the long run, that's probably a good thing in a short run. It kind of, I didn't disagree with this suspensions, but you yeah. know, one would say, if you're worried about getting in the tournament, you wouldn't have done that. Uh, if you're worried about getting in a tournament, you would have scheduled stronger in your first year. No, I think it made a lot of sense, this, the scheduling, but I, it was concerning. And I, and I still would have maybe scheduled a, a couple more uh, difficult uh, games in there. The thing, the misconception of a lot of people is that the total number of wins gets you in. Uh, Michigan is an example of that. Some teams on the bubble. Uh, Rutgers is an example, 18 and 13. They beat the teams that were good on their schedule. Um just winning games against bad teams does not get you in. And I think that's a, a misnomer of a total record thing. That's more of what um, I, I think is an issue for me than, than anything else. It's not stacking wins. It's getting your program ready. And I think Woodson did a good job. All right. Well, coach, I have to say it is just fun to do a selection Sunday show where we're talking about Indiana, you know, having a team in the tournament. I mean, because look, you know, the last time Indiana played in the tournament, man, it was fun. You know, that featured, you know, Indiana winning their first round game. I think we played Chattanooga, right? And then beat Kentucky in that excellent round of 32 game yep. that should have been a sweet 16 game because Indiana got screwed on their seeding as a Big Ten champion, but a five seed. And then just happened to run into the best team in the tournament, North Carolina, who went nuts from downtown and, you know, beat us. But that was a good team um, that was ready to do some damage and did. I got to tell you, man, I, I, I really like what I saw. Now, you know, are any of us going to be totally shocked if Indiana comes out against Wyoming and plays a little bit more like the team we saw in February? I mean, we know it's in there. But now that we've seen what we did in the Big Ten tournament, I think they're going to be ready. I really do. Now, you, you win that game. You've got all kinds of logistical challenges after that that I think are going to be reasonable to take into account when they play St. Mary's. But I really think Tuesday night... I think we'll see a continuation of what we saw in the Big Ten tournament. And frankly, I'm, I really enjoyed watching that team. And I look forward to watching that group with that edge and that focus play again because that was some fun basketball. And if they can just make some shots, I mean, that's – Coach, that's the thing. You know, you got to have Parker. You got to have Miller. You got to have someone step up and make some shots. You know, take a seven-point run and make it a 10- or 13-point run because you knock down two dagger threes. Though that's what's been missing from this team. And if they can, you know, maybe cluster some of those together over the next couple games, this team can do some things, man. I believe. I like I like uh, what their top three are. I doing agree. Right the now. way the way they played in the Big Ten tournament, it's important for them to come out and play that way. And if it's uh, not good enough, at least they continue that level of play and gives gives us some positives heading in to talk about, you know, Wyoming just played a little bit better. Um so I, I think that's that's the important thing. And it's just fun, you know. Uh, going to see, you know, what times and, and scheduling all the things. <laughs> My youngest son, we have four TVs. We'll have four TVs going down here. He said, Dad, do I have to go upstairs for the podcast and not watch all four games? I said, no, just get out of the camera angle and, and we'll mute it. And uh, <laughs> so those are good problems to have. You know, we didn't have it for six years. I'm not sure how to how to do this and, and post game shows and all of that. But it's Indiana basketball. Like I said, Jared, the best thing was for those fans uh, the feeling I got for the fans and going through the hallway and high fiving people. And, you know, it, it's just an honor um, for, for me when, when people recognize me and ask how to join 
the, you know, the, the community and, and all of those things, uh, to be an ambassador for what we do here is, is awesome, but the fans brought the juice. And so I'm going to end the show in my final comment with to all of the people listening, whether you were at home on your recliner or you were in game bridge, uh, the fans, this is what we do it for. Uh, and boy, the energy in the crowd. And some of you had some great dance moves on a big screen. Uh, it was just an all around. It was nice to be in a big 10 tournament with Indiana on a Saturday. And now Indiana is an NCAA tournament. I mean, we do this cause we love it and we love our fans, but we love Indiana basketball too. And it, it's been a long time since we've had some success. So credit to all of you out there who have stayed with it. And, and it was a good week. It was, and it was a great week for Delphi Bracketology too, as you guys got profiled on WTHR. I have it's had a on chance right to see now, it yet. Jared. Is I it really? Am literally <laughs> watching myself on TV That's right awesome. now. And it's it was weird to go through that last segment and see my face on the TV, and I'm talking <laughs> on the show. Uh, so that they is ran great. it again tonight. Um, yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch crazy. it yet, but I will. I know you tweeted it. I retweeted it from the Assembly Call account. It's so awesome that you guys are getting that pub. Uh, well, really, thank really you. Really happy uh, for you guys. It's uh, you've been a big part of that. Andy's been a big part of that in in sharing what you guys do, and and you know, you are the benefit of the people who help you, and so we try to pass that on with our interactions and, and people who have questions. Um, so, yeah, it's been nice. It's overwhelming a, a little bit um, with, with the time and everything, but it's just such a joy to see the students watch the show today when they were over for the selection show, and we taped it, and then after the selection show, we went up and watched it a couple times, and, <laughs> oh, there I am, or, or that's my foot, or, you know, <laughs> oh, they got my computer. Just, it's why it's why you do things. So thank you yeah. for all that you've done for Delphi Bracketology uh, and Andy as well. It's been great. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you to everybody who's here live. Great live turnout tonight. Uh, thank you to uh, Andy, who was here earlier, Rick Bozich, Alex Bozich, Jeff Marlowe, Kathy Amos. Make sure that you keep attuned to this YouTube channel and this podcast feed. We will have post-game shows after every uh, Indiana men's and women's game in this tournament. Hopefully there are a lot of them and we're making some deep runs. It is just good to have both programs in the tournament again. It's good to be back. This is how March is supposed to feel. Fun. With Indiana playing in big games, playing well in big games, this is what it's supposed to be. Hopefully this is just the first step of many, many years like this, a springboard to something even better. But gosh, what we just experienced last weekend was pretty great. And I think we got a chance to have a lot more basketball in our future. So we will find out Tuesday night. Indiana plays Wyoming. Uh, it starts around 8-ish, 8-10, something like that. Uh, we will be here live immediately following that, and then hopefully again on Thursday night. Yes, hopefully we are doing a post-game show and not an episode of Assembly Call Radio on Thursday night. That is the goal. So uh, either way, we will be here talking basketball. Have a great night. Uh, go get your brackets in. Make sure you go to assemblycall.com slash ed. It'll redirect you to the page where you can get Ed Fang's uh, uh, Power Rank March Madness Bracket Advice course. Win your, uh, win your bracket. Do it. Get Ed's advice. Check out homefieldapparel.com, and we will see you guys all on Tuesday night. Take care, everybody.